friends. This is Cliff Knight from Equippers International. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We want to lift up Jesus and provide a place for you to learn more about Him and to grow in your relationship with Him. If you find the podcast helpful, feel free to share it with others. We believe it will be a source of blessing and encouragement, and you will be strengthened in your relationship with Jesus. Equippers International Podcast. We're in the book of Romans, chapter 2, and we're looking at these verses 5 through 11, where Paul's having a discussion about God's judgment, and he makes these specific comments about people who do good works and people who do evil works. And in the previous episode, I kind of unpacked this notion that the biblical writers had more of a holistic understanding of a connection between the condition, the internal condition of a person and the external performance, if you will, or the fruit or the works that come out of a person's life. And remember, I quoted that verse that Jesus said in the Gospels where he said, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So there's this congruency, there's this connection between the internal and the external. What I'm doing is I'm trying to understand what Paul's doing in these verses that we don't fall into a trap that we think that we're saved on the basis of works because Paul's going to be overwhelmingly conclusive that faith is the basis of salvation and not works. This is going to be a continual universal theme throughout the New Testament. So what we want to do is just try to get our head around what it is Paul's doing in these verses. So now I'm going to go a little bit deep into some biblical interpretation on the language level in this episode. I hope it won't lose you. You may want to sit down and get your Bible because I don't have a visual to be able to show you what I'm doing, but I do want you to be able to follow along in the verses because I do think it's an important idea that we unpack because it's easy for people to get confused with what Paul might be saying here over and against what he says elsewhere in the book. So I just want to step through this in this episode, and then we'll move on to the next section. Now, when we interpret these verses in context, it's first important to remember that the entire passage is about the nature of judgment, specifically God's judgment. I mean, he started the passage in chapter 2 with people judging other people, but then it's a preface to moving into his discussion of how God judges. He judges impartially, and that's where he's ultimately going to conclude in verse 11. But remember, he's talking about judgment. He's not talking about the ultimate destination of people eternally. He may take that up elsewhere, but I don't think that's the subject matter here. And that's where we can fall into a little bit of misunderstanding if we don't rightly interpret what Paul's saying. Now, as far as the structure of these verses, Paul's using what is very common mostly in poetry. It's basically a way of laying out something in an A, B, B, A fashion, meaning he takes up a topic A, and then he takes up a topic B, and then he comments on B, and he goes back to A. It's something that we see commonly in poetry. It's implemented very often as a writing technique to draw attention to things, and Paul does that in these verses. Now, we're going to pick up in verse 6 because that's where this little section really is framed, and he makes this comment that God will render to each person according to his deeds. Now he's going to start in verse 7 with the first type of person. To those who, by perseverance in doing good, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. That's the first type of person. The second type of person is in verse 8. But 
to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. Okay, now, it may look like on first glance that God is giving eternal life or he's giving wrath and indignation, that that's the reward or that's the payment that when he talks about God rendering to each man according to his deeds. But what I want to do is I want to dig down a little bit into some word studies. Again, I don't want to get too technical in these episodes, but I do think that it's important for us to rightly understand the scripture. So now the interesting thing that comes out when you look at these verses, specifically, let's talk about the first one. Verse 7, there's only one operative verb in this verse, and it is the verb seeking. Now, some would argue that the verb render in verse 6 should be attributed to the verses that follow. I wouldn't be necessarily inclined to say that. I would say that verse 7 and verse 8 have operative verbs, and they're very important. They help to define the difference between these two people or these people groups, okay? So Paul's saying in verse 7 that there are those who continually seek eternal life. If you look at the original Greek and you look at the way the sentence is structured, this verb to seek is in a form that is characterizing the posture of people who keep themselves in a position of seeking eternal life, meaning that they have a strong desire. They are looking for it. It goes back to the idea of those who seek first the kingdom of God. It's a continual posture of their hearts to seek. And what characterizes these people as they are seeking? Well, what characterizes their life is that in perseverance, they do good. They do the things that are pleasing to God because they are in the process of pursuing glory and honor and immortality. This is something that they set before them. They're looking for a life. It's like this notion in Hebrews where it talks about those who in faith expect their reward. They're looking forward to something. It talks there about Abraham setting out into a country that he knows not of. He's looking for this city whose maker and builder is God. It's this seeking after something with an expectation that there's going to be a destination arrived at. And that destination, according to Paul, is a destination of glory, honor, and immortality. This idea of immortality is always connected to resurrection, a new creation, a new body. And so Paul's saying that these people seek continually these things. And as a result, they persevere in doing good. There's not an operative verb here in doing works. It's really in keeping with good behavior. It's just talking about a life that will be characterized by doing good because they are seeking actively after eternal life. Now, he contrasts those people with people in verse 8. He says, but to those who through selfish ambition do not obey the truth. Here's the operative verb. There's actually two operative verbs that describe these types of people. And they're in different types of forms, which I believe is significant. One, the active verb is 
do not obey the truth. They're not obeying the truth. They're choosing not to obey the truth. Now, we're going to look more about this notion of obeying the truth at the end of chapter 2 when we talk about God ultimately administering His judgment through Jesus Christ. But I'm going to reserve those comments until we get to that part of the chapter. So they make this active decision not to obey the truth. And so as a result, in not obeying the truth... They are then obeying unrighteousness. Now, it's very interesting that obeying unrighteousness is in what's called the passive voice. That means that the person that's doing it is actually being acted upon. They're not actively doing it. They're passively doing it. So what is Paul saying? I believe he's saying that when you make an active decision not to obey the truth, then unrighteousness will have its way in your life. It's a natural consequence. It's as though you then will be led into unrighteousness because you've chosen not to obey the truth. So then in verse 9, and following with this A-B-B-A pattern, Paul says, now for those who are not obeying the truth and being led about by unrighteousness, There will be tribulation and distress for those that do evil because a natural result of those that are being led by unrighteousness is evil works, evil deeds coming out of their life. It's a natural process. And Paul says that for those people, there will be distress and tribulation. Now, in verse 10, he says, going back to A, Those who are persevering in doing good because they are continually seeking after eternal life, he says, for those, they will receive honor and glory and peace. And so this is what's going to characterize those people's lives. And he says that both of these instances, whether you're choosing to disobey the truth and be led about by unrighteousness or continually seeking eternal life, he says this is true for both Jew and Greek. And then he concludes in verse 11, there's simply no partiality with God. So he's saying that God will not judge according to any other measure. He won't judge by some natural standard, by some measure that the world uses to judge. He simply judges by the condition of these two types of people. So let me just wrap up my thoughts. It seems to me that Paul is contrasting between two different types of people, those who continually seek after eternal life through perseverance and doing good, and those who disobey the truth and are controlled by unrighteousness. And God will judge or reward, He'll pay appropriately to each of these people. One will receive honor and glory and peace, and the other, tribulation and distress. God's process of payment is not like some process that we may perceive in our minds that when we go to a store and we purchase something, we hand somebody the money in exchange for the product that we're buying. No, I believe that God's process of payment, His process of rendering 
comes as a natural consequence. If you choose to seek and pursue eternal life with all your heart on a daily basis, and that is your passion, that is your goal to desire the things of God, then as a result, you will receive glory and honor and peace. It will manifest in your life as a natural result. But if you choose to disobey the truth and then to be passively led around as though you don't have any control because unrighteousness will have its way in your life if you eliminate the truth of God. It's similar to chapter 1. When God gave them over, it's exactly what He did. He just gave them over because they exchanged the truth for a lie. And this is exactly what Paul's expounding upon here in chapter 2. He's saying when you're in that condition, you will experience tribulation and distress. You will experience this pressing and this suffering that's not necessary. And Paul's saying that these are the standards on which God judges. Now he's going to move into a whole new paragraph in verse 12, but this kind of wraps up this little section on us understanding the nature of God's judgment. So be strong and courageous and love Jesus more. 